This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome to the postseason. We are coming to you live from Highmark Stadium here in a wintry Orchard Park, New York, for today's AFC Wild Card matchup between the visiting 10-7 Pittsburgh Steelers and the 11-6 AFC East champion Buffalo Bills. Here's the snap, looking left, and now in the end zone, complete to Dawson Knox for the touchdown. Oh, he was wide open. He split the two defensive backs, and Allen hit him for the opening drive TD. Fires out to the right sideline, complete to Pickens, but he dropped the football as he lunged forward for extra yardage. After review, the receiver satisfied all the elements of a catch. It is a completion and a fumble recovered by Buffalo. Back to pass, looking left, pressure coming. Fires down the seam, complete to Kincaid for a touchdown. Well, the answer doesn't get much quicker than that. Looking to his left, fires to the corner of the end zone, and it's picked off by Kyir Elam. He snuck under the route and picked it off in the end zone. Welcome back, Kyir Elam. Blitz coming. Allen steps up in the pocket, going to take off and run. Has the first down and more to the 40, to the 35, 30. Breaks away, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Josh Allen. Yeah, give him a flex, Josh. You just schooled them with their back turn for a huge touchdown run. Back to pass, fires over the middle, complete on a crossing route to Shakir, who gets away from the tackler. Down to the 10, looking for the end zone, and he's in! Khalil Shakir did a disappearing act on the tackler, reversed his field, and found the end zone. Unbelievable! Back to pass is Rudolph, and it's off the hands of George Pickens. Incomplete! Dane Jackson in coverage. And this one is over. The Bills emerge victorious with a 31-17 victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers. They will advance to the divisional round where they will host the Kansas City Chiefs here on Sunday night at 6.30. That is your Toshiba Game Rewind. Toshiba, the official copier company of the Buffalo Bills. Short week, short turnaround, but the Bills win in pretty convincing fashion. They led wire to wire. The Steelers closed to within seven in the second half, but did not have the ball with a chance to tie the game down seven. The Bills then extended their lead after the Steelers cut it to seven, and they end up winning by 14, 31 to 17. And the Bills are now four and one in their last five wild card games. They've won each of their last four. Their only loss in 2019 at Houston. And the Bills are now 24 and five in December and January since 2020. That is the best record in the NFL. That's including playoff games. So four straight wild card victories. They are now 8-1 at home this season. And uh, <laughs> Josh Allen, in I, I mean, we talk about him all the time, and understandably so, Steve, but 
Josh Allen in five career wild card games leads the NFL with 16 total touchdowns. He has a 111.4 rating. He's got 13 passing, three rushing. He's averaging 8.1 yards a carry on the ground. He's averaging 8.3 yards per attempt through the air. I mean, it just – the amazing just continues. Like, he steps it up a notch in the postseason. You're not sure if there's and, more he can do, and then he goes out and does more. Yeah, then he wows you. Um, it, the thing about this game yesterday was the, the difference to me was – and it was a little bit like the 13-second like the game when Gabe Davis showed up big. He had more guys helping him out. Kincaid, Knox, Diggs, of course, and then Shakir, obviously. Uh, James Cook with a nice run. I mean, he had a ton of guys clicking on offense. Uh, a lot of guys made significant, although not a bunch of contributions, significant plays throughout the game that gave Josh some some relief, you know. And then he snaps off. I got, I got to tell you, I've been – it makes me chuckle, and I don't know how to – that 52-yard run – in the, which is the longest in Bill's playoff history. He backs up, and it's a passing play, and we've seen this a million times. He's going to come over. He's going to jump over some hurdle somebody, right? This time he doesn't hurdle somebody. He trucks the guy and then outruns the defensive backfield of the Pittsburgh Steelers into the end zone. And he pulls away. He pulls away from him. So he trucks a guy who gets his – kind of tries to give him an upper body, you know, you know, shot. He just trucks him over and just – and he just outruns everybody. Um, this, those plays are hard to describe from a guy playing that position. Yeah, Next Gen Stats said he hit 19.33 miles per hour on that run. It's not the fastest he has ever run. He has eclipsed 20 miles per hour on some long runs before it's in his career. It's hard to do that with layers on in the cold weather. Well, right, but <laughs> still 19.33, that's moving, especially at 250 pounds. Yeah. And so... The Bills are now 17-0 and since 2020 when Josh Allen does not have a giveaway. You cannot beat this team when, he, when they don't turn it over. You yeah. just can't. Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, they ha- and plus, when, he, when they don't turn it over, plus they're getting contributions. James Cook, 18 for 79. Josh had 8 for 74 with the 52-er in there, though. Uh, Ty Johnson... Chipped in, 8 for 26. Some key carries at the end when they were trying to yeah. salt it away, too. Uh, Kincaid, and uncharacteristically, Kincaid had six targets, only three receptions, which is below his, um, you know, kind of catch. Josh missed him once. Yeah, and then you got I remember. Diggs, nine targets, seven catches. Deontay Hardy had the enormous 34-yarder that was amazing. A lot of there. yards after catch Really there. nice, really nice play by him. Shakir, three targets, three catches, which... You kind of almost 100% he's, again. He's leading the NFL, folks, in catch percentage. Yep. You throw it to him, the ball is caught. Um, he's leading the NFL. He's over 85% of his targets. On the, that's get on caught. the season. On the season. He's 100% the last five games he in which he's been targeted. He hasn't dropped a ball in a month in yeah. a game. Latavius Murray, two for two. Dawson Knox, one catch for two targets. Here we go, James Cook, four catches, four targets. I mean,. Yeah, and, and I'll say this. The Andy Isabella, he had one target, and the, it was a bad throw because Josh it was a screen pass, and they were on his face, and he couldn't get the ball on Isabella. If he hits Isabella on oh, that's the throw, a big play. that is a big play, and they just miss. Um, 
Yeah, the, the Bills were in control of that game, and it felt like it throughout the first half. And then in the second half, like you said, Pittsburgh got it to seven, and you felt like, ah, come on. And they did. I mean, they answered with a score. Um, and I said this on, on Bills tonight and also in the, uh, in the postgame live. All this, the good, the well, as well as the defense played with all the injuries and the offense, the points they scored, they really eclipsed and made you forget about a really tough night on the field goal extra point front. They had one blocked in their face, lost their punter to a hammy on that on the block field goal, and then missed one late to put it to 17, which would have absolutely ended the game with five minutes to play, and they and they missed the field goal. That's as that's the downside of the entire night was a missed two missed field goals, one missed and one blocked. Other than that, this game was never in doubt. Never in doubt. Yeah. And uh I think the other thing, and I don't know how you felt about this, but it seemed like the Steelers defense game planned for James Cook. Because wherever he was, they had two guys in the vicinity. As soon as he flared out into the flat, they had like two, three guys over there. Because you look at his stat line at the end, he's like, man, he had four catches for five yards. They were swarming him when he was even a, a remote thought of getting the ball. Um, the problem is they forgot about everybody else. <laughs> yeah, particularly King, Kincaid and Knox early in the, in the early going. The throw, they got the turnover. The two turnovers were absolutely enormous for the Bills' defense. You, the Steelers are hang, were hanging in games down the end with Mason Rudolph because they didn't turn it over, and they played solid defense, and T.J. Watt was a great player. Well, they didn't have Watt, and then they turned it over. Game was done. And you know they get the Bills get the turnover, and they go right on the very next play from scrimmage. They hit Kincaid right down the seam. I mean, it, was an e- it looked easy, but, man, to manipulate the defense, get them where they, where they wanted to get them, and have Josh look the safety off and then zing it right on the money. I mean, that is – it's elite play. And that's when you knew this, this Bills team was, was on it. Um, I thought – I had some doubts as to how they were going to handle the 24-hour delay. Being the home team, it's not so easy to say, well, they're at home, it's going to be great. It's not that easy. It's not that easy. You got all the – like we talked about all through the pregame yesterday on the roundtable and everything – they're, these guys' personal lives in the playoffs kind of escalate because everybody, you know, tickets, family, former teammates, college buddies, former coaches. Everybody, you know, wants to touch, reach out and say, hey, congratulations and all that. Want to come to the game. And then to, to have that put off for 24 hours where you got to handle that stuff even another day, I thought maybe it might lend itself to have the Bills come out a little flat or a little slow. Not so. They handled it really well. And man, oh, man. I, I, yeah, that Josh was once again uh, as good a player as there is yeah. in the NFL. As we know, quarterback Josh Allen led the NFL this year in offensive yards and offensive touchdowns. Quarterbacks that do that in the regular season, counting Josh's win yesterday, are now six and zero all time in the wild card round of the playoffs. Four of the last five quarterbacks to have done that have at least made it to the conference title game um Patrick Mahomes last year Tom Brady in 21 Patrick Mahomes in 2018 Andrew Luck in 2014 Peyton Manning in 2013 that's your list uh and Josh is now on it uh 803-0550 1-888-550-2550 is the number to get on board with us as we want your biggest takeaways from the Bills 31-17 win over the Steelers 
There is the drawback that came out of this game, and that was the injury list, which got lengthier, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. As we know, the Bills went into the game without linebacker Tyrell Dotson, cornerback Rasul Douglas. They were questionable going into the game, but not fit to suit up and play. And then the replacement for Dodson, Balin Spector, goes out with a back injury as he's recovering a fumble that he recovered in bounds. Did we ever get an explanation of what they saw? They, they did rule it a fumble initially. It was a fumble. But they, they claimed he fumbled it out of bounds. Now, watching it on replay, there was no point in time where Fryermuth, after making contact with the sideline, made contact again with the ball after right. fumbling. So it's not out of bounds there. So then it becomes a question of Balin Specter recovers the fumble. Is he still in bounds when he has possession? Obviously, the refs felt he did not. Um, unfortunately, on that play, though, Specter takes a knee in the back from a defensive back trying to close on the loose ball as well, and he leaves the game. He came back briefly, but then ultimately leaves the game injured. So then A.J. Klein comes in to play alongside Terrell Bernard. Bernard gets hurt with an ankle injury, leaves the game on a cart. Now, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport last night was reporting that X-rays on Terrell Bernard's ankle were negative, but he is having an MRI today, which can often give a much much better picture of the area for a more accurate diagnosis. I anticipate that we'll have an update from head coach Sean McDermott when he addresses the media at 4 o'clock this afternoon, not only on Bernard, but a slew of other players, because Christian Benford left the game with a knee injury and did not return uh, Taron Johnson left the game to be examined for a head injury, did not return. And then we all saw Sam Martin, unfortunately, pull his hamstring, running after a block kick that got sent into Buffalo territory. And about after 30 yards, he pulled up lame with a left hamstring pull. So that is the rundown of injured players. Now, Steve, there is a part of me that is hoping that some of these injuries, which took place later in the game, they chose to err on the side of caution and not try to reinsert those players because the Bills had control of the game at that point in time. There were a couple injuries that happened while the Bills were up 24 to 10, um, you know, late third quarter. That's my hope. Right. Connor McGovern left the game, came back. Yeah, came back in. He helped off, came back in. Same thing with Leonard Floyd. He came off as like the last guy you want. I mean, that would have been catastrophic. He came back in the game. He got a stinger. He came back in the game. Um, oh, is that what it was called? I, I don't know. I didn't. It looked like it to me. He was he holding was, his hand. He was arm. holding his arm limp at his side, and he can't. And he, I don't know. Who knows what it was? Nevertheless, he's he was back in the game. Um, I don't know. Sam Martin. I, they, they, here's the problem with Sam Martin. He holds for Tyler Bass too. If if you're gonna get a new punter, you got to get a new holder, and that means everything's up in the air now. You're already. Of course, then again, it couldn't be worse than missing one and having one blocked back in your kisser. It was a short so, pitch. I mean, it was a chip shot field goal attempt. So that, that was a bad it. night. Um, I don't know how you, you can't do worse unless you miss the extra points too. But that thing got – it was a low sideways kick. And 
it was, yeah, it was, yeah. Well, there you go. Um, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to figure that out. It'll be interesting to see what what uh, happens with because Martin was immediately hurt, and gotta give him credit. He punted once with a pulled hamstring, forty-five yard punt, no return. And looking at the kick again, it was clear that it was a very low trajectory on the kick. And Steve and I were talking about this um, before before we came on the air, and I did see that. Bass, when he was warming up before the game, it looked like he was trying to adjust his swing to compensate for the cold weather and the fact that the ball is a rock. There's no secret. The ball doesn't travel as far this kind of weather because it's freezing and the ball hardens and it's a rock. There's not as much give when the foot strikes it. So I can understand. It just seemed to me he was trying to maybe hit it harder. And sometimes when you do that, you can impact the consistency of your swing. Yeah, anytime you're changing and when your you hit swing, it harder, you usually hit it lower, you're too. Gonna get, you're going to get different results. I mean, you're going to, you know, that's... He's yeah. got enough leg strength, even with a cold ball on a cold day, to just kick it regular, don't you think? Yeah, but here's the thing. When it feels different, you, you want to adjust. You want to get it to where it feels comfortable for you. And so it's. But I agree with you. You got to... When it's cold like that, it's going to feel different coming off your foot. And when you're getting into the ball and planting it, the whole thing is going to be a different operation. So I I get it that it was didn't feel right to him, and he was uncomfortable with it. When you're uncomfortable with it, you want to get comfortable, and and you know, so you start tinkering right away, and then all of a sudden you're inconsistent. Uh, that's yeah, it's a problem, uh, and, and that's one thing. That's one way the conditions you know affect the game. It's because it affects guys between their ears. 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the number to get on board. Give us your biggest takeaways from the Bills' wild card playoff win over the Steelers. And uh, just to give you a rundown on what we've got today, it's obviously an abbreviated version of a Buffalo Victory Tuesday, as we only have two hours instead of three, as we usually do on Mondays after Bills games. And uh, coming up in about 10, 12 minutes, We'll have our colleague Maddie Glab for the Maddie Awards. So it'll be good to see her again because that whenever we see her in studio, that means the Bills won a football game. Right. So that's a good thing. And then second hour of the show, uh, my broadcast partner Eric Wood will join us for his thoughts on the Bills' victory over the Steelers late yesterday afternoon. But uh, let's crack open the tweet sheet to start things while calls roll in at 803-0550. And – Tweet Sheet, as always, is brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. And Brian says, biggest takeaway is this team is very resilient and well coached. That showed yesterday. I'd like the offense to sustain a few more drives, but they answered when they needed to just win and advance. Yeah, nobody's looking for style points anymore. Do you notice that, Steve? When the team, when this Bills team was running off and leaving people the last couple of years. In a game where they, like, won by six points, they're like, ah, what's wrong with this team? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it's just like, they did still win the game, right? Yeah. And yeah. nowadays, people are like, just win. Just, just win yeah. the game. I don't care how it looks, just win the game. This is a team that has lost so many games by su- in such crazy ways. There's so many different ways they've self-inflicted losses. So... Most people are just 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 get out of here with a win and let's move on. Uh, I think that's kind of where Bills 
mafia is right now. Just just win and thank you. And they, they're kind of resigned to the fact that they're going to be, you know, need Pepto-Bismol throughout the entire game. <laughs> and, you know, right? So um, I, I think you're right, Brownie. Nobody, I, you're not hearing anything about style points these days. And, I, and I'm going to get the T-shirt out. Um, you got to play well on that day. Uh, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter that the Bills were favored, that they were probably a better team top to bottom than Steelers yesterday. None of that mattered. You got to play well on that day. Because if, you know, if you fumble the ball, if you turn it over and they get a freaky touchdown and they come out and they squeak out a win, you're still going home. It doesn't matter if you're a better team. You got to play well on the day of the game. The Bills did that yesterday in, 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 high fa- in fine fashion. They look good in every phase, like, like I say, except for the field goal unit. Um, this game coming up, and I don't, we're not really, really ready to turn the page yet, but same story. Just play well and just play better than those guys. Yeah. Jeremy on the tweet sheet says, It is unbelievable what our defense is doing with a ton of backups. It's impressive, and I love it. I do wish our normal starters are with us, but it's just awesome to see. I hope it continues. I know the hope, at least going into this week's game, is that Rasul Douglas and Tyrell Dotson can return to the lineup. As we said earlier, they were both questionable. Terrence Rasul Johnson Douglas, as well, yeah. Rasul Douglas spoke uh, to a reporter in the locker room after the game last night and said he will be good to go this week coming off his knee injury. So hopefully that proves to be the case. You get him back on the field. If you can get Tyrell Dodson back on the field, that could kind of lessen the blow of the injuries you sustained in this week's game. Of course, everybody's hoping for good news on Terrell Bernard and Taron Johnson specifically because you're going against a much different passing offense this week than you did last week. And I, I'll say this, too. I like Isaiah Pacheco better than I like you know, Najee Harris and Warner. I mean, I, Warren. Um, Pacheco's a really good running back, and, and the offensive line, when you got a running back like the way Pacheco runs, the offensive line's picked up a a notch too, you know. They want to they want to work hard for him because he works. He runs so hard every play. Um, this group offensively, obviously, with Mahomes. I mean this this offense is a different animal than one you just beat. There's no. I mean everybody. I I got to say it, but everybody knows it. You know Mason Rudolph and the Pittsburgh Steelers in this season are not the offense. Even on an off year, is perceived of the Kansas City Chiefs. They're down a little bit from where they were. <laughs> They're light years ahead of where the Steelers are. Yeah. So you need guys like Dodson. You need guys like Taron Johnson and Rasul Douglas in the game. Yeah. Uh, and I think Taron Johnson will probably make it. He was getting, he got evaluated, never really got a. Well, it happened so late in the game. Yeah. We never got a status like questionable to return, probable to return, doubtful to return or out. We just know he was getting evaluated they shut him for down. a head injury. Best case scenario, they shut him down. They said, you know, you know what? Just we're wait good. till next week. Just, we're going to win the game. You're not going back in. Yeah. Let's go to the phones at 803-0550, and we lead off today with Cindy in Niagara Falls. What do you got for us, Cindy? Hi, guys. Um, Happy New Year, and I'm just still wondering what they're doing with Von Miller. I don't get it. They wasted cap money on him, and you never hear his name mentioned, even when he's in. And they need to get rid of him and get somebody younger. Thank you. That's it. All right, Cindy. Thanks, Cindy. I don't know. He had two pressures on the final drive. Uh, He whacked 
he whacked Mason Rudolph right in the mouth on that last one he rolled out. Uh, didn't get him wrapped up. I am not as down. I got to say it. I'm, and I know we're, we talk about him all the time. We're we're one Bills live. I mean, we're guys in the building, so I get it. We're we're slanted vastly towards the team and the players. I'll say this: I am not down on Vaughn like everybody else. Like a lot of people are. Not everybody, but a lot of people like Cindy. I am not down on him. I still think he's going to help us down the stretch. I really do. I think he's going to come through, and I think he's going to rebound and come back better. And I'm, and I, this last every time I watch him specifically, uh, I don't watch him that much because I'm always into. I don't even. I don't even mind the. I don't even watch the rotation. But last late in that game, he's showing some stuff. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to say he's laying in the weeds. He's going to explode in these deep in the playoffs. Now he's going to come on and play great and all. No, I don't know. But I still, I still got faith in him that he's going to be a really good player for this team going forward. I'm not ready to kick him to the curb. And I know a lot of people are, and he hasn't been on the stat sheet. He's coming off the ACL, and people are impatient with him, and they're not, you know, they're not ready to you know, let him off the hook for not playing as well as he should and all the other stuff that's gone on in his life. I'm not throwing dirt on him. Uh, I still think he brings something to the table. And I think he's going to show it in, the, in these playoffs and this season. And more importantly, it's difficult for them to get out of the contract until 2025 offseason. So in all likelihood, unless they both come to the table after this season and say we got to make a change and agree on mutual compensation adjustments, he's probably going to be here through next season uh, just for what it's worth. Let's go to Kathy in North Tonawanda next. What do you got for us, Kathy? Hi, I'm Steve. I'm Kathy's oh. husband. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. What do you got, right. Steve? Um, well, with with our punter being a hamstring problem, why why don't we go back to that young kid that we had last year that had legal problems? I understand he's been acquitted of those charges and looking to get back in the NFL. Yeah, you're Matt talking Ariza. about Matt Ariza. Yeah, we, we were knocking that around right. the office this morning. You are right. He is uh, cleared of his legal cases um, no charges, yeah. no pending charges. He was, Everything's he was been exon- resolved. He was exonerated, and I, and I get it. I wouldn't rule it out. I w- yeah, I wouldn't either. they got to get somebody, and he at least he's been here for a minute and held for bass. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen. got to do it, but I, I want to see how Sam Martin's doing but, because I am very hesitant to throw in another holder, and you're certainly not going to keep – Sam Martin around to hold while Matt Ariza punch. You ain't got the roster spots for that. Space for that. Uh, so that's not going to happen. Um, it's a hard thing right now because you're switching out two people, two two roles on the team, not just one. So you you don't need Tyler Bass having a night this coming Sunday like he had last night, right? We have to take a break here, but we'll get back to more of your phone calls in just a bit. But when we come back, we've got our colleague Matty Glab joining us for what else after a Bills victory? The Matty Awards. They're coming up next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, this week's Player of the Game is presented by Wegmans Meals to Go. Wegmans Meals to Go, delicious meals delivered. Download their app today. It's who else? Josh Allen, 21 of 30 passing, 203 yards, three touchdowns, eight carries, 74 rushing yards, and the 52-yard touchdown run. 
uh, kind of a no-brainer. So congrats to Josh on continuing his excellent play in the wild card round. And we turn from player of the game to the Maddie Awards, which are presented by Energy Mark, the official energy supplier to the Buffalo Bills. Maddie, welcome. Always great to see you because it means the Bills won again. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What is this, six straight? Six straight weeks? Can't get enough of me, huh? Yeah. I'm back again, guys. Keep going. We're on a run. We're on a run. We're might on as well run. keep it going. Yeah. Well, you just started talking about Josh, so we might as well continue the conversation with the Are You Kidding Me Award because that's going to Josh Allen for his overall play as well as that 52-yard touchdown run. I mean, this guy is not from planet Earth. I don't know <laughs> where we found him, but I'm glad we found him. He proved to not be from planet Earth as he took the ball 52 yards to score, shook off a defender who, like, fell right off of him. They tried to touch Josh, and then they turned to stone and and fell down. I mean, this guy is a linebacker with a ball in his hands, and he had the little stutter step juke. Get out of here. Your quarterback could never. That was the second longest run in touchdown run in playoff history. It had a 0.2% chance of becoming a touchdown when he got his hands on the ball. And he reached 19.33 miles per hour. Incredible. Statistically, had a great performance yesterday, completing 70% of his passes. Like you said, Brownie, four total touchdowns, a 121 passer rating. The MVP chance last night were totally right and on cue at the perfect time because he is the most valuable player to this team. He finishes the season leading the NFL with offensive yards and offensive touchdowns. 17 is totally our lucky number, and we're going to need him to continue to be our lucky number against the Chiefs on Sunday. The the coolest thing that happened after that touchdown was Josh, when he got back to the sideline, the first person he went up to was Kyir Elam. Because Kyrie Elam made the interception in the mm-hmm. end zone, which led to that touchdown drive. And if that is not Josh Allen personified as a leader of this football team, I don't know what else is. There's a guy that's been riding the bench, been inactive all season. The guy makes a big play. They cash in on the other end with him scoring the touchdown run, and he makes sure to go talk to Kyrie and thank him for getting the ball back for him. Right. Can you imagine how Kyrie Elam feels after that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it, it's a great move by Josh, and it, it shows you know how everybody kind of in it together. You get some of that in the post game the post game speeches that they they always put in. But um, it's it's a great atmosphere. And I know a lot a lot of great teams share a lot of things in common. One of them is that everybody from the from a guy like Josh Allen all the way down to the bottom of the roster, you know where I used to live, you always feel like you're in it. They're in it. You're included. You're part of it. You're contributing. And to have a guy like Josh you know, just thank guys and just uh, acknowledge him, it just goes a, a long way towards keeping everybody engaged and just pushing, pushing, mm-hmm. pushing. Wow, it was – that I can't get over that play. I've been talking about it for like 24 hours now. He's watched it about 20 times. It's crazy. And there's it like 5,000 camera angles Can't of get it. enough. I just, I just put out on social a, a retweet of a, of a, a sky cam uh, from like the blint, like from a drone. That have oh, a cable cam. They have the no, cable no, 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 no. This one was above the stadium. It was oh. a drone, and it was like ants on a hill, and you could still see that play happening. Oh. It's unbelievable. Wow. Uh, everybody had their camera on that guy. Yeah. It was great. It's he that was time awesome. of year. Oh, yeah. Next up, Mr. Reliable. 
Khalil Shakir is Mr. Reliable in this one because he had a big-time touchdown when the Bills needed some more points, when he, they needed to put the Steelers away. And it wasn't like it was just a simple five-yard touchdown, no, no problem, wide open in the end zone. Shakir had to work for it. He had to get the catch, which he did, made the catch, and then he basically was headed toward the ground, getting tackled, and fought his way to stay up and keep fighting through traffic to score He had uh, three targets, caught all of those three targets. I love what he's become for this offense. I love how humble he is and how hard he works as a player, being a younger guy, being a fifth-round pick, finally finding some success within this offense, feeling like he fits in this offense. I I love how the team talks about him. I love how these guys talk him up. I, I love hearing how, how Stefan Diggs is, is proud of some of these guys for you know being able to find a role within this offense. He finished the regular season with an 86.7% catch rate, which ranks first among wide receivers in the NFL. So kudos to Khalil Shakir for being a big part of this offense. From a fifth-round pick to now being a productive wide receiver, there might just be something about these fifth-round picks. You know, Stefan yeah. Diggs was one of those. Tyreek Hill was one of those Matt as well. Milano. Matt Milano was one of those. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that, I'll say this. He caught that and spun out of that Minka Fitzpatrick tackle. And the jab step he put on was a Walker, the linebacker. Michael Walker. Michael yeah. Walker. <laughs> Was elite. He was a frozen pizza. Oh my gosh! He snapped snapped his ankles, and and then he turned down the corner and got in. I, uh, I got I got to say, Khalil Shakir has been the most surprising, surprisingly improved player on the in my opinion this year. From what I saw and all the stuff from last year, where he was, unbelievably um, massive contributions time and again, and, and his catch percentage is one of the best things about him. Yeah, yeah, it's probably him and. Bernard, probably the most oh, yeah. improved players sure. on this roster this mm-hmm. year, sure. offense, defense. Yeah. Uh, all right, next, coming in clutch. Coming in clutch, those were the backups who had to step up and come in and play some meaningful snaps in this one. Last week, I gave credit to the backups who came in, and they deserved all the credit. And the backups deserve even more credit this week because the Bills were down, guys, coming into this game. Then by the end of the game, they were down even more players. I mean, A.J. Klein said he had an RV ready to go to Florida and was convinced to, to get off his couch and come play for the Bills for their playoff run. And he had a huge role on the defense defense last night wearing the green dot being the Mike linebacker kind of being able to just roll right into things you know he said I had to get my feet wet but then it was like riding a bike because I know this defense Kyir Elam had to come in for Christian Benford Balen Spector came out and Dorian Williams had to come in I mean some of these guys were on scout team all week and then to have to play for a good portion of this game and kind of flip your brain that's not easy to do and we're probably going to need some of these guys this week as well and you know, to be able to make a difference when you come into the game, Kair Elam, AJ Klein, several guys, Dorian Williams coming in. I mean, you talk about the roster that Brandon Bean has put together, knowing that hopefully you don't have to always go to second string and third string guys in big time games, but they were up for the challenge. Just like I said last week, they were up for the challenge. They were able to 
keep everything in check and able to keep the score uh, within 31 to 17. Yeah, you look at this game, and I was looking at the flip card, and, you know, they always give out for the media, they give out flip cards that has the depth chart of your team on both teams, on yes. both teams, right? Your offense, you know, Bill's offense against the Steeler defense and vice versa, Bill's defense against Steeler offense. They got these things, but I'm looking at it. So they got these guys on the flip. Terrell Dodson, no. Ter- Terrell Bernard, out. Taron, out. Rasul Douglas, out. Christian Benford, out. Taylor Rapp, out. Balen Spector goes out. There's like seven guys that are off the flip for the game. On, all on defense. All on defense. Yeah, except Ooh. for Sam Martin, yeah. um, who stayed in the game. Uh, I've, I was kind of intrigued by A.J. Klein's comments after the game in the postgame press conference where he commented on how this coaching staff – tries to sprinkle in backups during the practice week with the first-team defense, with the first-team offense. So we see that if, during training camp, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, in, in the regular season, not every team does that because there's only so many snaps you have to get your starters ready for the game right. you mm-hmm. don't and want- install the game plan. So the fact that they practice that is, I don't want to say it's unique, but it's not common. And it's, I'll say the thing, it goes in hand-in-hand with a lot of other stuff they do. You, we always hear about, hey, he's got a veteran rest day. Well, it's not like they're going to go with 10 guys offensively. Somebody's getting plugged into Steph Diggs' spot. Somebody's getting plugged into Mitch Morse's spot. Somebody's getting plugged into, you know, Connor McGovern's spot. And all these guys – and on defense, same thing with Poyer, Hyde, all that. Um, Those guys not only get a chance to take a rest, but it also gives the defense a chance to do that. A chance to know what it's like when they're not there. And think about this just in. Sean McDermott has been standing on it. If he was a goalie, he's pitching a shutout with nobody in front of him. Right. I mean, that guy, the, the, the hoops they've had to jump through with roster adjustments on the fly during games, particularly this last one yesterday, kudos to those guys. Yeah, and I think the last thing that it does is those guys that are deeper on the roster that may or may not play on a given Sunday – it keeps them engaged. Oh, yeah. When they're taking starter reps in practice, they're like, oh, I really do kind of have to be ready here. It's well, yeah. a reminder. It it's is, a stark reminder. It's a great carrot to keep guys engaged and to practice hard and to let them realize the coaches are thinking about them once in a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's uh, let's move to the Shake It Off Award next. Shaking off Kair Elam, that's exactly what he did. He comes into this game, and the Steelers start to go right on him. They start to throw the ball right at him, and he gets a defensive pass interference call on him pretty quickly, and then is able to not let that get the best of him, because he picks off Mason Rudolph in the end zone. If it was a catch, and it was a touchdown, the score would have been 14-7 to at that point, and the Bills were able to, after that, like we talked about, they were able to score and extend the lead 21 to nothing. That's playing complimentary football. Way to step up, Kair. I mean, he talked about after this game, he talked about, you know, if it was earlier in my career, I probably would have let that get me. I probably would have let that DPI call get me and other things, them going right at me, get the best of me. But I was able to kind of let it roll off my back and get back in the game because I'm mature enough at this point yeah. in my NFL career to, to be able to make some plays like that so wait I mean just like Josh Allen I feel like when he throws a pick or, or turns the ball over shakes it off and goes out and, and throws a touchdown and Kyrie Elam did exactly that on defense yeah said he was rusty coming in and you can understand why he hasn't been in a game live for quite a while 
So to be able to shake off that rust, get some valuable reps, knowing he may have to be called upon again mm-hmm. this week is going to serve him well against the Chiefs. Yeah, I, and I, there's no question he's going to be on the short list of guys. I mean, there's still a lot of que- – at this Tuesday, you play on Sunday, and there's a lot of question marks on the, on the injury list. Um, so, and it's probably going to – it'll serve him well. The reps he got and the, the time he got on the field yesterday are really going to serve him well coming into this week because mm-hmm. he'll probably have to take the reps in practice anyway – because nobody's going to feel like they're 100%, even though they're probably walking through a lot. He's going to be ultra engaged in making sure he's on it. So it's, it was really nice to get that under his belt and give him some confidence. Tough guy award, Maddie. That's going to Sam Martin for playing through an injury, playing through some pain. I mean, he gets that hamstring injury by trying to chase down the ball after that field goal was blocked. And by the way he was limping, you're thinking, oh, no, who are they going to go to? Who's going to be the backup in this situation? But Sam Martin was able to keep going. That must have not felt good for him, but way to be a tough guy uh, and stay in there for your team. Hopefully he gets a lot of rest this week and is feeling good for Sunday. All right, hats off award next. All right, hats off to the snow removal crew, uh, the snowplow crews who worked hard throughout the evening, early mornings to make sure everything was good to go on the streets. And then shout out to the fans and everybody who came out to the stadium early, worked through the night, worked into the morning to help clear the stadium so that Bills fans could enjoy the game. Even if they were standing on snow, it could have been way, way worse. And shout out to all the Bills fans for being able to brace the cold, brace the elements, show up and be loud. We're going to need them times 10 on Sunday. I thought, you know, when, when we were out there and I was lo- looking at the stands and driving in and, you know, we all live through this stuff and we know how it is. It's it's downright dangerous once in a while, right? So um, you're, I'm thinking, I was down the field and I was looking at the stadium and we were here, I was here very early, like all of us were. I'm thinking, man, oh man, I don't know. I mean, I, there's probably going to be some empty seats. There's mm-hmm. going to be some no, gaps in the right you know, up. And it's like, there was nothing. Everybody, every seat was taken. I mean, everybody was standing there. And I, I was like, I don't know how they got in some of those. Pl- well, you saw, you could see on the highlights we just showed. I don't know how people got to their seats, let alone cleared them up. What they do with the snow? Uh, they just kicked it threw off it their chair the and threw it somewhere. <laughs> Stomped on it and put it in their neighbor's seat. I yeah. mean, you're doing whatever you got to do. It's a funny thing. You know how people are. I mean, so they, go, they get let you come in, make 20 bucks an hour, you know. So people come in sign up to shovel they go up they shovel their seats and then leave <laughs> they that's a sneaky way to yeah do. so there was a little bit of that going on as well like so to think yeah they i'll were go do that i'll get that ready. more altruistic than that yeah. but that's, most that's of them what were steve did all right so did. the last yeah. one the fired us up award steve tasker yeah. you fired us up man you are the legend of the game I mean, the Bills scored on their first drive. You That's set right. the tone. That is right. That is right. Good call by there's you. There's also a clip going around of Stefan Diggs repeating you yeah, he was on the it. sideline. He was feeling it as well. It was awesome. Loved you tossing the cigar, dropping the mic, you know. I tossed that the mic. great. I tossed the mic to Sal. He wasn't ready for it. He, I, I tossed it too hard at him. He dropped it. But... Uh, I got to tell you. That was aggressive. I'm not going to lie. Was, was, that was crazy. Well, I dropped it was like a softball like, pitcher. Let's like, go. You killed the, it. I tell you. You killed it, Tasker. It's not easy. Everybody's, you know, you can feel it. It's, a, you know, the cig- I wish I would have liked the cigar. Yeah. It would keep me warmer. I, they told me to be down there. You know, the game kicks off 430. <laughs> and they said, you got to be down there like 4 o'clock. And I, I was like, okay, I got you. You know, because, you know, you 
I should have got down there like 420 because, man, I was freezing. Yeah. I was at, I could not get out of there fast enough. It was so cold. Because, I, you know, the hat is not covering my ears. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I was so cold down there. Yeah, you needed like a Nook of the North hat. That's what you <laughs> I needed. Yeah. I had like nine layers under that stinking jersey. I looked like a, you know. Stay like puffed a, marshmallow like man. A tick it was so full, <laughs> but I it, fans were great. It was a great atmosphere. Um, I was really. It's so fun to go down there and do that. But you got to rehearse it because you get down there and you, the adrenaline. Your adrenaline kicks in whether you like it or not, know it or not. And it, it, well, you've seen it. Some of these guys they they go kind of go off the air a little bit because yeah. it, it's like, oh, what am I supposed to do again? So you kind of blank for a yeah, second. Yeah, you kind of like okay, and then you got that microphone that there's a little bit of a delay, you know, and that kind of comes up. So it's you really have to concentrate and be ready for it. And so, yeah, well, luckily. well done, yeah, as usual. Uh, Maddie, thanks for the Maddie Awards. This is my first Maddie Award. I'm that's right. Kind of that's you awesome. deserve it, man. Special. I'm so I, I'm kind of cool. It's yeah. kind of Trump in the Emmys last Super night. Super cool. That's nice job there. I didn't get an Emmy either, by the mm. way. Yeah, neither did I. Same. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, we we are late for the break. We'll take a break here, come back, and try to squeeze in some phone calls next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Numbers That Matter is presented by the New York Lottery. Josh Allen's 52-yard touchdown run against the Steelers marks the longest run by a Bills player in a playoff game and the second longest in NFL history. Allen's run surpassed the previous long, a 45-yard touchdown run by former Bills running back Joe Cribbs in 1981 against the Jets. Joe Cribbs was... My uh, wife's favorite player as a young girl well, here rooting for the Bills. Joe Cribbs was her guy. Um, so she'll probably be disappointed to see that he's been scrubbed from the record books well, by Josh Allen. He's not the first. He won't be the last. That's right. That's <laughs> like uh, that's why they keep records, man, so people can shoot form and break them. So those are the numbers that matter, presented by the New York Lottery. Let's quickly get to the phones at 803-0550 and to Bradley on Grand Island. What do you got for us, Bradley? Hey, happy new year, guys! Uh, you were talking about that uh, that fumble out of bounds uh, deal. They explained on the TV the referee that they go to off to the side um, that the ball actually went off the guy's helmet that was out of bounds. The Steelers player. Yeah, that's why it wasn't a. If fumble. it did, yeah. it was like a. I don't know. A I shred of I was a shoelace on the ball. I didn't see that. I, I have to look at it again. But yeah, so do I because it didn't seem to I, change I thought direction. They made that up because I didn't see it do that yeah. at all. I want to. I'll go back and look. And I, I agree. If it did that, it is out of bounds. And right. so I get it. So if they got confirmation of that, fine. But I didn't see that on any of the replays I I saw. Yeah, and I wouldn't. Maybe not, I missed it. I'm maybe. not saying this happened, and yeah, we could have missed it because we watched multiple replays of it, and maybe right. we're just not looking for maybe the right was, thing. Maybe when the, on the angle they showed it, maybe I was looking at something else. I don't know. But man, that was that was a tough one. Should have, in my estimation, should have been Bill's ball because Specter had it before he went over and hit the sideline. In my yeah. estimation, uh, let's go back to the phones and to Steve in Apple Springs. What do you got for us, Steve? Hi, Brownie. Hi, Mr. Um, Tasker. It's Athol Springs. Like the, okay. The oh, I got you. Yeah, I'm okay. just going by what's typed in front of me, Steve. Yeah. Forgive me. Yeah, no, it's good. Type, yeah, autocorrect is great. No, the only comment I wanted to make, there was an earlier call, uh, caller about um, 
the Von Miller bad side of it. I just want to talk about the good side, and especially as talking to two former players. So the first thing is, number one, we have to remember he had a torn Achilles. And then I had the fortune of knowing um, Takeo Spikes growing up. So there was that kind of recovery period with that. And it, it's good to see the Bills playing this in the sense of we, we have an asset. We don't want him to get hurt. He has a multitude of experience, not forgetting his impact on Greg Rousseau and the defensive line and what he can actually teach them. And then lastly, one of the questions that I had was, um, as a following the game, did you notice that later on he took a hit on Mason Rudolph? That seemed like it was late, and we kind of lucked out with not having a roughing the passer call on that. Vaughn did that? Yeah, it was a little late. Yeah, I, later on there. Yeah, yeah, it was a little late. Um, judgment call, obviously. I know refs mostly have a quick whistle on that stuff, as they did on the, what was it, the Josh slide, and then he got hit um, right. by Miles Jack, and they tacked off another 15 yards on it. Um, yeah, I mean, could they have called it? Sure. Did they? No. So you just take your your fortuitous non-calls and keep on rolling, and the Bills may have gotten one there. Uh, Yeah, he's a good leader. I don't think there's any question about that. He can pour into younger players. You're right about that. And Steve is encouraged by what he saw in Sunday's game. You know, had a couple of quarterback pressures. you got to hope there's more of that coming down the pike here because this game against Mahomes, you're going to need that kind of stuff. You're absolutely going to need it. Yeah. Let's uh, quickly squeeze in Steve in Michigan here. What do you got for us, Steve? Guys, that was the most brilliant special teams play by the Bills I have ever seen, and I am talking about them missing the 27-yard field goal (laughs) at the end of the game. Why? Well, it was shaped so badly. It's too badly to be a mistake. Here we go. The Bills are up 14. It's fourth and goal from the nine. You could go for the fourth, but that's nine's a lot. And you're going to risk, you know, turnover or perhaps injury because you've got a short field. Not the option. All right, well, line up and kneel on the ball. But there's still time, just under two minutes, Steelers' defensive line can come crashing through, causing injury or turnover. So you line up with a chip shot field goal. If you make the kick, you're up 17, but you've got to now kick off to the Steelers' Austin the third. You would have returned it even from deep in the end zone. Now you're risking a score an injury to special teams players that must immediately go back on defense because you've got guys hurt on your defense. Even if the kickoff is a touchback and, like, Bass kicks it out of the end zone, ball is placed at the 25, eight yards better than the 17-yard line. The Steelers are on with no timeouts. Now you've got little risk to the Bills. That was freaking brilliant. Uh, I, <laughs> no one's going to believe it. No one's going to believe it. The Bills will never admit it. But it was the smartest play, and he kicked it so wide to avoid it being blocked straight on. I, I, you know, and everybody's jumping on Bass because of the blocked forty-nine yarder and the initial kickoff. I don't know if that was tried to be a squib or something because then he was, you know, bouncing him out. I mean, he hit the forty, what the forty-five yarder or whatever, right down the pike. His yeah. points were good. Steve, Steve I, I respect. I respect the analysis, Steve, but you're you're way down the rabbit hole here. <laughs> I mean, the amount of time just to explain all of that, yeah, just you're right. for an eight-yard advantage in what would be a two-score game, I, I I just can't get there. I, I, I respect all the analysis and the work you put into that explanation, 
But all you need to do is look at Tyler Bass's reaction after the kick, and you know that he is trying to make it. There is no kicker in this league not trying to make a field goal, especially when the last attempt was blocked. You want to get right for the next game. Yeah, I, I, and you're right. I hadn't really thought about the fact that they got the ball inside the touchback line and it was still, it was still a two-score game and rather than a three-score game with more field position, a little bit more field position. But I <laughs> – yeah, I'm uh, – I can't take that journey with you. You are, you are a true Bills fan if you're going down that rabbit hole and coming out like that with the Bills smelling like a rose, missing it on purpose. You are – you called it the most brilliant Steve, call of the game. Steve from Michigan, you are a goner, bro. I, I salute you. <laughs> I absolutely salute you. All right, we got to take a break. Uh, hour number two <laughs> will begin with my broadcast partner, Eric Wood, as he joins us the day after every Bills game. We'll get his thoughts on the wild card victory next here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two on a Buffalo Victory Tuesday, a wild card playoff Victory Tuesday. And joining us now is Bill's radio color analyst, former Bill's center and host of the Centered on Buffalo podcast. It is Eric Wood joining us after the long drive back to Louisville last night after the game. Eric, good to see you wide eyed here because um, that's that's not a drive I was prepared to take after that game. No. And, uh, yeah, that was a pretty, uh, pretty long day for us. We had a super long pregame with the four thirty, So just extra time to be locked in for that one. But you know what, uh, Bill's victory made it all worth it. And the kids actually here in Louisville, uh, got a delay, uh, one hour delay for school. So we all got an extra hour of sleep in the wood household because it was too cold for some to, uh, wait out in the cold for the bus, which Steelers fans would say is extra soft compared to, uh, what we dealt with in (laughs) Buffalo last weekend, uh, when them, when they were poking fun of us from downtown Buffalo, when Orchard Park's catching three feet of snow, uh, most of which came. Sunday at one when the game was supposed to be played, but uh, all in good fun there. And uh, yeah, the Bills Bills win definitely makes it worth it. Yeah, well, it's it's a nice win too because you know over this past you know five or six game stretch when they've had to win and kept in in the conversation, we've had some so a lot of angst. You know, and the, your blood pressure's skyrocketing in these games because it doesn't look like sometimes they're going to win. This one, there was maybe a stretch there in the third quarter when the Steelers got to seven points. Um, and then kicked off to Buffalo, and then Buffalo extended. But during that time when they got it to seven points, that's really the time of the game when there was really some angst. But other than that, the Bills add their lead, and then it was a two-score game again, and it was like, okay, let's go. Um, this game was this game was in full control except for that little stretch by Buffalo from start to finish. Yeah, when they got up 21 to nothing, and it looked like they were going to get up 24 to nothing right before the end of the half, it looked like the game was completely out of hand. Of course, then you get the field goal blocked. Pittsburgh gets seven points before the half, and you come out of the half and go three and out. 
And then the injuries start mounting defensively. And yes, there, there was a touch of angst. And I'll tell you what, when, you know, you get those two injuries on the, what should have been a fumble recovery by Spectre and that's not overturned there. And then you get two injuries there with Spectre and Benford, and then you lose Terrell Bernard later. I'll tell you what, I was, I was halfway sick to my stomach. Just one, I felt for those guys. And two, you just kind of feel not that this game is slipping, but you know, you, you just love the momentum that this Bills team has, and they've been able to piece it together defensively despite all the injuries this year. And then you're just thinking to yourself, how can they overcome these? And then you just saw incredible individual efforts. You know, AJ Klein, who's supposed to be going on vacation with his family last week, credit him for staying in shape and be able to come in and make what 11 stops in the game and uh, be able to lead the defense and have an experienced guy in the middle of that defense be able to put the green dot on his helmet and be able to lead them down the stretch. But uh, I went back after the game and looked at the uh, win probability on one of the sports apps. And, the, you know, even when they cut it to seven, I think it was like an 88% win chance for the Bills uh, by, you know, Yahoo Sports standards. And so uh, maybe we felt the angst a little bit more than others in the public opinion, mainly because. We've experienced some collapses this year, but it seems like ever since the bye, this team has turned that corner with their backs against the wall, have found a way to win all of these games down the stretch. Yeah, it was pretty crazy to see at the end of the game on defense, A.J. Klein, Kyrie Elam, and I'm trying to remember the third guy that I'm trying to think of here. Oh, Dorian Williams were three of the top four tacklers in the football game when it came to the end. They really stepped in and stepped up for sure. Um we talked about it in the pregame, Eric, that we thought the Steelers could be had at the second level, their linebacker level, and it seemed like the Bills felt the same way based on how they utilized the tight ends early, the game Khalil Shakir had. Uh, it just seemed like they were victimizing the middle of the field and the second level of the defense all afternoon, almost to the point where they didn't even concern themselves with taking many shots down the field. No, they didn't. And Josh Allen stayed incredibly patient all throughout this one. You know, no risky plays. The only one that kind of got tipped up and looked like it could have been an interception was <clears throat> really just <clears throat> an underthrow by Josh. I thought he had the uh, cover two, uh, cover two, the Tampa two beater again right down the seam. He hit Dalton Kincaid on that one early in the game and almost got digs on the same look in the red zone for a touchdown, which was a throw he wanted back based upon his reaction with his hands on top of his head, knowing that he missed a touchdown in that situation. But we heard uh, from people that have worked with Joe Brady in the past that the way he likes to form a game plan is to figure out the weakness of the defense and attack it. In some weeks, it may be your number one receiver on the outside against a mismatch. Other weeks, it may look like the Dallas game where you're simply running the ball over and over if you're going to stay in super light personnel. And then we've seen multiple times with Joe Brady say, look, these linebackers are not athletic enough to keep up with our tight ends, with our slot receivers, and we're going to pick on them. And from the jump, they attacked them. They they did it all throughout the game. That first drive of the game, Dawson Knox scores. Um, tight end gets the first touchdown four years in a row in the wild card round that Dawson Knox gets the first touchdown of the game. And then that second tight end, the strike uh, on the first play after the turnover, he hits Dalton Kincaid on the same play that I was just referring to, to Diggs that Josh missed later in the game, hits him right down the seam. And that's that's a great play call. It's anticipation of coverage. But Josh knew where he wanted to go with this football right as his play started. He identified the coverage, understood that Miles Jack is not going to be able to run <clears throat> with Dalton Kincaid down the seam. So there's your mismatch. Throws a perfect ball, and they get the score to hop up 
14 to nothing. I thought it was a masterful job uh, offensively throughout this game of staying patient, taking what the defense gives them, not forcing anything, and then making the plays when they're there to be had. When you see this game, it, it goes up 14 nothing. The Bills <laughs> get the ball back. Uh, and Josh, you know, snaps off this 52 yard run that I mean, it's a work of art. And because it looks like he's going to slide, looks and everybody's saying, just get down. You got the first down, just get down, don't take the hit. And then he plows through the tackle by the safety and then literally outruns the secondary for the Steelers to the end zone. He was, he was, they were losing ground on him. Um, a play like that, you know, describe the, you know, you're standing there on the sideline, you know, you're a defensive player, you're a special teams guy like me, and you're watching your quarterback take off and snap off a play like that. Talk about what that does to the psyche of the entire team. Oh, I mean, the entire team, the entire stadium, the broadcast booth, we were all giddy when we saw Josh rip that one off. And look, this they, they kept Josh under wraps the first part of the season saying, look, when, when the games are on the line, when we need it most, that's when we need Josh Allen to run, but we want him to play a certain style of offense. And we saw that through maybe the first half of the season. But like I mentioned before, with their backs against the wall, as me and Chris like to say on the broadcast, you can't hold anything back, and they're not holding back with Josh Allen now. They've used him as a weapon in the red zone, really, since Joe Brady's taken over as offensive coordinator. And there, they give Josh this freedom to run. And look, if you're going to run man-to-man defense against the Bills and bring pressure, if Josh breaks the line of scrimmage, it's going to be a big play. Is it always going to be 52 yards? No, but they tracked Josh Allen going 19.33 miles per hour on that play. It was the fastest of any Bills ball carrier in the game. And so, yes, when you're on the sidelines there and you see your quarterback who's got maybe the smallest ego of anyone on the entire field, the way he's willing to risk his body and put it all out there week in and week out, yeah, that, that'll fire up the troops. All right, so let's let's spin forward a little bit here to Kansas City because you've got a Chiefs team that many perceive as, over the last five years, one of the most vulnerable versions of this Kansas City Chiefs squad, and we're, it's, it feels like it's crazy to say that coming off a Super Bowl championship. They're defending Super Bowl champions, but we've seen enough evidence of their offense to know they're not the same offense juggernaut attack that they used to be and they're coming off a game in which I believe they went one for five in the red zone against the Dolphins. Harrison Butker is the leading scorer in the postseason. He's got 14 points because he was kicking field goals for them all last week. Um, but they do have two extra days of preparation and rest for their players. What, what at first blush strikes you about this Chiefs matchup this time around, Eric? Yeah, you know, this is a this is the team that you got to get over, and this is a team that's had the Bills number in the playoffs. In the regular season, the Bills have gone to Arrowhead. They've conquered those demons. You think back to the COVID game against the Chiefs, and they ran the ball down the Bills' throat. Well, in the regular season, we haven't lost to them since, and all those games have been at Arrowhead. But then we've had to go to Arrowhead each time that we've played them in the playoffs, and we've lost all of those games. So, you know, I know these guys are excited to get them in Highmark Stadium and kind of flip the script. And, you know, Arrowhead, Highmark Stadium, those are two of the loudest stadiums in the league. I always say, as an offensive player, there's a certain threshold of noise where we just can't communicate well. Anything over that's just gravy. You know, it doesn't really impact you any further. And Highmark and Arrowhead, you can say one's 1A and 1B as far as loudest stadiums in the AFC, but neither of them, especially in the playoffs, are you going to be able to communicate well. So you get them 
in your house this week. The Chiefs played well against the Dolphins last week, and you know, watching that game, and I watched it back to the I watched it live, and then the condensed version back last night, and. You know, both times I was trying to think, is this more about Miami or more about Kansas City here? And uh, it's a combination of both. I didn't think Miami played well. They also are just completely depleted on the defensive side of the football. And Kansas City was able to take advantage of that. But now they didn't capitalize in the red zone, like you said, or else that really could have been a blowout. And under Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they've consistently been a top five red zone offense. And they're always creative down there. And one of their two red zone touchdowns, they, they had to resort to the Wildcat. They put Pacheco in the Wildcat uh, to get him into the end zone. And so this is going to be a big-time matchup this week. You know, Kansas City's offense hasn't played as well, and over the last few years they've designated a lot of draft capital into that defensive side of the ball, and it's paid off. And they have one of the top defenses in the league this year, but then their offense has struggled. Rasheed Rice, their second-rounder from this year, played really well against the Dolphins, against the banged-up Dolphins uh, team and secondary, like I said, and we'll see what he can do in Highmark Stadium. But when he gets going, then that allows Travis Kelsey, Scanling, Pacheco, a lot of those guys more opportunities when you have a downfield threat because I feel like that's one of the things that they've been missing. Kelsey's kind of their big play guy. Well, when you can uh, put a lot of resources towards him, neutralize him in the game, then this Kansas City offense just as hasn't been nearly as formidable. And when I look at this matchup in – you know, the possibilities of corners and linebackers still being out this week. Look, you got you got your two safeties, these guys that Sean McDermott just raved about that are just dying to get a championship here to Buffalo, New York. You have this defensive line that you've invested a ton of draft capital and free agents to that is playing at a high level. And look, there's going to be injuries throughout the season, and they generally happen in waves and position groups. And it's generally not a coincidence. You start getting injuries to a position group, then other guys get stretched thinner and guys that are playing special teams as well are getting put into the game and they're getting overworked and those injuries stack. But then it's those position groups that are healthy. And when I'm looking at it, mainly these this defensive line, this has got to be the answer. And I've come on this show in the past before. And one of the things I've been critical about this Bills team in the playoffs is the lack of a pass rush with a four-man rush. And when you're going against guys like Mahomes and Burrow in the playoffs, you got to be able to put pressure on them with a four-man rush. If they're able to get home this week, neutralize the line of scrimmage against the run in this Chiefs run game, and then in obvious pass situations, really apply pressure to Patrick Mahomes, this Bills defense can be successful against this Chiefs offense. How big of an effect will the six days be instead of the seven days? between games yeah that's a great question that's a great question and and that's that's to be seen you know when you get guys dinged up that that extra day or two can really add to it it's late in the season right now those extra days of rest can be pivotal now when it's winter go home can it play an effect you know in, in in how your body might feel throughout the week likely but you're going out on sunday and you're going to push through and I would imagine from a from a physical standpoint that this isn't going to be a deal where we look back uh, next Monday and say, well, you know, the Bills were just still wore out from Pittsburgh. You know, if, if this doesn't work out, we're, we're not going to be making those excuses from an injury standpoint. Um, I'm sure there are some guys that are dinged up, with, which would love that, that extra day of rest. When I look in particular at uh, Taron Johnson, who had to go um, into concussion protocol, looked very Healthy and in good spirits leaving the game. I don't want to speculate on anything because often head injuries, um, you know, they're 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 just a little mysterious in how they end up shaking out. But 
you know, him in particular, and you think about an extra day or two, that could have been pivotal. Right, yeah, because clearing concussion protocol is obviously a step-by-step process, and sometimes players can't even make it out after being on that list for the week, so we'll hope for the best for Taron Johnson. Uh, Steve and I were actually hoping that maybe he was just kept out as a precaution regardless of what the examination revealed in the locker room because it's like, hey, we're up two scores. Why don't you just sit out? We got this game in hand. And so I thought that we were kind of speculating, hey, maybe they just sat guys that got a little dinged and say, hey, look, we're already down a day of extra rest this week. Why don't you just start resting now? Yeah, and I think there likely is some truth in that. Uh, so I, I, I just love Taron Johnson's game. I, I, I mean, I love everything about him as a player. He's been one of my favorite players to watch. This is a guy that I wish I would have gotten to play in the same locker room as. He's going into the locker room, and so he's sprinting to the tunnel, trying to get in the locker room to be able to go through uh, the the protocol, the the analysis at the time because of the head injury. He's sprinting to the tunnel. There's a pivotal third down coming up for Pittsburgh. He stops right at the edge of the tunnel so that he can watch the play, and they're trying to corral him up the tunnel, and he refuses to go because he wants to watch his guys out there on the field for this pivotal third down play. And to me, very small moment, but just another thing that just epitomizes who he is. And no one was eh, – maybe more. Maybe he was more excited, but uh, – no one in my position was uh, more excited to see him make the all-pro team last week because this is a guy who I felt like has earned it for a number of years. He flies mainly under the radar because of some bigger names on this defense. But, man, the what he's allowed Buffalo to do in being able to stay in nickel defense constantly, he matches up with tight ends well, he matches up with slot receivers, and he is a weapon versus the run. It, it was awesome to see him get that all-pro nod last week. Eric, thanks as always for the time. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you on the weekend. All right, sounds good. Look forward to seeing you guys this weekend. Thanks, Eve. All right, that's Eric Wood joining us as he does the day after every Bills game here on One Bills Live. And, yeah, I mean, I'm really hoping that that's part of what was at work right. last night. It's like, hey, look, you got a little nicked here. We got this game. We're up two scores. Why don't you just sit the rest of this one out, start resting now for next week, and hopefully – you know, and we don't even know if Taron Johnson's in concussion protocol because, as we mentioned right. earlier, he left the game late, and the only word we got was he was being examined for a head injury. Nothing was confirmed with respect to whether he was in concussion protocol. Nothing was given in terms of a status possibility of returning to the game. So the game just kind of ended, and right. there was no resolution on what his condition was. So we'll see if head coach Sean McDermott, who's scheduled to address the media at 4 Uh, this afternoon has any updates on him and a host of other players who got nicked in the game, namely Balin Spector. You also had Terrell Bernard, who went down with an ankle injury, and you had Christian Benford, who left the game with a knee injury, and, you know, Taron Johnson too. So, yeah, it was uh, a little disconcerting to see it. Yeah, and, you know, Rasul Douglas was off the field anyway. Um, right, he's got to come. So we've got a chance to get some of these guys back on the field, but there's nothing. There's nothing that says they don't get hurt again the first quarter of the next game too. But you got, you're trying yeah. to get these guys back on the, the roster. Management at this time of year is, I mean, it's a, it's a. You're trying to keep 53 guys in the air, right? You're 53 right. bowls in the air, and it's, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot uh, because the later in the week you get, 
the more information you have and you know you can make some decisions a little earlier but practice time comes into consideration because some of these guys you get down to the these backups it's like who's practicing the best that's who's going to play right and that means you you may have a different guy active at the other end you know Andy Isabella got up this last week and, and had a chance to to help out a couple of times so you never know how it's going to fall and that's it's crazy to even try and predict it because because we don't you know because it, it's up to the really the players and how the, how fast they recover yeah Let's jump back on the tweet sheet here to uh, One Bills Live on Twitter. And from Bills Mafia season, they say, we need to get healthy and fast. But, man, is it remarkable what McDermott has done with our defense. Also happy for Kyrie to get some confidence back. Tough year for him. Yeah, it's been a tough year due to lack of opportunity and injury. Not really anything else. I mean, his opportunities have been limited. That's a coaching decision. And... He had an injury that landed him on injured reserve. Those happen. But to see him shake the rust off yesterday, bounce back from a play two plays earlier that set the Pittsburgh Steelers up first and goal and come away with a takeaway in the end zone and quite literally take points off the board was huge, not only for the team and the outcome of the game, but for his own personal confidence going forward. Right. Um, it's you know what a you talk about a roller coaster. Think about Kyrie Elam. He had the pass interference, got him first and goal on the one or whatever it was. I think it was a nine or yeah, eight. something like that. And you know, next play or two, he's you know he's walking away with the football in the end zone. Um, yeah, it was a gigantic play, a gigantic play. It's in the same vicinity as the Micah Hyde interception right. in the wild card game against the Patriots. Same perfect, side of yeah, the end zone, game. same corner, much different play. But maybe that's a little lucky spot for Bill's defensive backs because, I mean, we've seen it before down there. Pretty wild. We'll see another one this week, hopefully. Let's go to the phones, guys. and we'll check in with Tom in North Tonawanda. What's up, Tom? Hey, good morning. How are you? Afternoon. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I'm an armchair play caller, and it frustrates the heck out of me every time there's a third and two and they throw a long pass instead of running the ball. What's, what's the theory behind that? Well, I think a lot of times for Josh, it's kind of predicated on the look. I mean, sometimes where you are on the field will predicate whether or not to take a shot. I remember when Brian Dable was the OC here, if this team was between the 40s and they had a second and one, or even sometimes a third and short on occasion, not usually third and short, but second and short, they would take a shot play because they knew they had third and short to work with. Right. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to remember the third and short you're referring to specifically from yesterday's game, but I think the shot plays were few and far between. They got the turnover on the forced fumble by Taron Johnson that was recovered by Terrell Bernard. The next play, they take a shot down the seam, 29 yards for a touchdown. Um, you've got a quarterback who can reach any part of the field with his arm. That's why you throw it on third and short sometimes for a big play. Not uh, often, Yeah, I, but you got to take your shots. I'm hesitant because I get it. Armchair, you're an armchair play caller just like I am. And, and when you get in there and you start thinking about what's going on and you see something happen twice and it doesn't work, um, I would say, you know, go back and watch the game on a, th- on a third and two. I don't know how many third and twos they had that they threw the ball deep. I'd be shocked. You'd probably was, count on one finger. I would. Sho- I'd be shocked if it was three. 
So I'm saying they do that all the time or what they're doing that. And, and, and plus, if you're going to do it, you know, you do it once during the game, okay, I, you know, take a shot. And, and I'll say this as well. Anytime you go deep, uh, unless it's a four vertical, even if it is four verts, if you're going to go deep, that's on the quarterback. That ain't on the play caller. I mean, you can say what you want. Well, yeah, they, no, you got check. You always have a check down every pass play. So if if he's going deep when you don't think he should, talk to the quarterback more than the play caller because every play in the NFL, almost every single play's got somebody going taking the lid off the defense. All every single play. Um, so and it's the quarterback's job to to pick and choose where he throws it. So you know, don't crush the play caller when it's a third and two and a, and the quarterback thinks he's got a shot at it. And he's going to make that throw especially our guy, right? Um, but I did, I did not notice anything about throwing the ball deep consistently on a third and two. We have to take a break here. When we return, we will go around the locker room, hear from some of the players on the victory over the Steelers in the wild card playoff game, and we'll get more of your phone calls in as well. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Time now for Around the Locker Room, presented by Connect Life, your blood and organ donor network. And we begin with Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. The two tight ends were at the postgame podium after the win over the Steelers. And both of them were asked for their reaction to the 52-yard touchdown run by Josh Allen. It's almost normal now. Um, Him making a crazy play like that almost every single game. Um, Sometimes you just you can't help but just to sit back and be a fan. <laughs> it's like in your head you're, you're screaming slide, but then he's just you know weaving in and out of defenders, running guys over. Um, it's hard to tell a guy to slide when he's doing stuff like that. Is it normal for you, Dalton, at this point? You're still in your one <laughs> It's It's still surprising to me. You know, it's just like how does he stay up? How does he get the extra yards? And then tonight was, you know, how did he score that touchdown? So, um I don't know when it'll get normal, but uh, it's it's cool to watch. You were the closest to him, I think, while he's running that. So what's going through your head as you're watching him? Oh, he got a double dupe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm watching it just like, all right, and then I'm like, okay. And then he just keeps going somehow, and uh, he's a special player, you know, best quarterback in the league for a reason. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. These guys see him every single day, and even they're amazed. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I, I. I mean, they're I around the him. They talk to I him. He's not feeling. like this far off superhero. You I know? Hung, yeah, I hung out with some some great players when I was playing too. And sometimes you get immune to it a little. But every so often, something happens. Like, <laughs> it's like, dude, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing, pretty you know? crazy. Cornerback uh, Kyir Elam saw his first action in quite some time as he returned to the lineup to help spell an injured Christian Benford, his draft classmate, in the game. Admitted he was a little rusty, uh, having been off the game field for quite some time, but got right back into the flow and also got an interception. Here's Kair on his return to the lineup. If you know where I, where I was mentally a couple months ago, I probably, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I was just so grateful, man. So grateful. What'd you see? What'd you see on the play? Take us through it. What did I see? Yep. Uh, it was just man to man. He gave me a quick outside release. I got my hands on. 
uh, he tried to he tried to like speed up his feet to make me go over the top, and I just slipped I slipped the route in the end zone and just was able to secure my feet in, two feet inside. Talk about where you were mentally a couple months ago. Where were you mentally after the last two plays? Where you give up a penalty and, a, and miss the tackle for a first down? Damn, we starting off on the negatives already, man. <laughs> just, you talk about that. I want to see like where you were there and going to where you were mentally after the pick too. Talk about I mean, that real close. I just feel like. Everything that I've been through has made me stronger, you know, so I didn't let those two plays really affect me, you know what I mean? Like, me, earlier in the season, I probably would have let things affect me, you know what I mean? And um, through the, my whole story, man, i just been growing mentally stronger, you know? And, um, you know, I was trying to battle through something my foot, and I really couldn't run, couldn't sprint, couldn't nothing, but I'm trying to force myself to play and play well, and it just it just wouldn't happen. But, you know, I just want to thank God and my, my teammates for never allowing me to, you know, uh, Give up and um, always continue to work hard, especially when I got back healthy. You know? Yeah, so you got to give him credit, and you know you talk. People talk all the time about how resilient and resourceful this team is. The reason they are is because of that kind of a mindset. Here's a guy that really hasn't played significant snaps since week five in London, right? And now he's in a playoff game. I mean, it, those are big stakes. To come in after that kind of a layoff, and it was a little rocky at the beginning. He admitted it, but the guy more than redeemed himself, and his teammates were there to kind of encourage him even more after he right. did make a play. Like, yeah, you can do this for us. Yeah, I, I've, I remember feeling that way. There, you get guys who you know, haven't had a chance to contribute, haven't had a chance to get on the field, and done that, and you see him in practice working, and you feel, and you kind of got a lot of respect for him because they play well in practice. They 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 do what they're supposed to do. They have they have strengths and weaknesses and all that, but you feel like when they get on the on the field, you've watched them practice. You, I like as a defensive back, and so, and I was a wide receiver. I would see these guys and play against them, and you know, God, he's tough, you know. Uh, they had some, you know, something to offer the team. When they finally get a chance to do it, sometimes the guys that practice against them have more faith in them than the guy themselves. Like, dude, you're hard to play against. Go out and show them. You know, it's, um, and it's it's really a cool spot to be in as a teammate. It's a great opportunity as a teammate to to show, you know, let the guy know how much you love and respect him. And I think a lot of guys did that for Kyrie yesterday. Yeah, the dude, I see you in practice every day. You got this. Let's go. Um, you know, we all know. Hopefully, a lot of us know to have somebody say that to you and give you like, "Dude, I got you. You you got this." Is pretty cool yeah. to hear, and to have his teammates do that for him is nice to hear about. And it wasn't just his defensive teammates, because as I mentioned earlier, Josh Allen went right up to him after he scored on the fifty-two touch, fifty-two yard touchdown run, which was possible because of his interception in the end zone. Because they go back down the other way, and Josh caps the drive with that run. And he goes right up to him, and I don't know what he said, but probably something to the effect of, you made that opportunity happen with your interception, so good on you. And you want to talk about lifting somebody up. There's your captain on the football team and probably the best yeah. athlete on the squad thanking the guy that made the pick at the other end of the field. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones and to John in Fredonia who's waiting. What's up, John? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good, good. Hey, uh, two things real quick for you. Uh, number one, my dog's going stupid. Um, number one, there are bad calls. There are non-calls in every game, every year, every season. We see that. But the Bills had two penalties yesterday the entire game, and that's discipline. And uh, that, that goes a long way in the playoffs especially. And number two, this Josh Allen, he's the first one to take the blame when we lose. 
he's the last one to take credit when we win, and that's the mark of a true leader. Man, I hope he's around forever. Yeah, well said, John. Um, can't disagree with you there. I will tell you that the Bills got a very favorable official assignment. Carl Cheffers, at least according to numbers that I saw, call his crew. Now, keep this in mind, too. In the playoffs, there are mixed crews. It's not just the it's not the crew that they have in the regular season. They put the best and highest rated officials at all roles and responsibilities in a crew together. So they have mixed crews. But it was Carl Cheffers yesterday, and he had three of the members of his crew on assignment with him yesterday here in Buffalo, along with, you know, three other officials from different crews. But Carl Cheffers' crew through the course of the regular season called the fewest penalties in the league on home teams may have had something to do with it. Maybe well, not. Yeah. yeah. I'm uh, not trying to dismiss the discipline of the football team. I mean, they played a, a pretty clean game yesterday, um, but there may be something to that as well, because we've also seen examples where crews over officiate. We're we've, uh, we've had these conversations throughout the year and there've been a lot of games, particularly obviously in support of the point I'm trying to make. I've said this before about the officiating this year. The league has got a ton of games that are close. And we're not hearing too much about the officiating one way or the other in this game. There's a couple of plays where, you know, the fumble and the challenge that Bills fans thought should have been overturned. Uh, The non-call on the pass interference on Dane Jackson there on the last fourth down. Uh, You know, but they also called it on Kyrie Elam. In all this stuff, uh, not too much about this game, mostly because it was a 14-point win by the home team. In, in my opinion, this NFL officiating is as high at a level, it's as, high, as elite as it's been ever in the history of the game. And I'll say why people are going crazy about it is two things. One, bitter guys who are silly enough to bet on the game thinking they know what's going to happen and lose, and then they get mad at whatever they think was the reason for it. And two, the games are so close, it has always been this way. When the NFL has a lot of close games, and this year there's as, as many as any other year around, when they have a ton of close games, there's only one to a maximum of three plays during the game that make a difference. And you got a chance at an official being involved in one, two, or all three of those plays. When it doesn't go your way, you think the officiating stinks. If it goes your way, you don't say anything about it. If it's a bad call, it's one thing. If it's a non-call, it's another. And if the guy calls a penalty, and it is a penalty, people still complain. They still complain. Yeah. The Kansas City game in, in point, the Bills game against Kansas City, when the guys lined up this far off sides and they call a penalty, everybody's up in arms like, oh, you should have let the guy, you should have waved the guy, you should have helped him. I, like, you, they can't win. These games are close because the league wants close competitive games. They, everything about the offseason and the structure of everything is parity. They want every team to be 8-9, and 9-8. Nine, nine and eight. And have come everything come down to a ton of tiebreakers. It's so competitive and so hard to win and get an edge. That's where the league focuses its its efforts on. And when you get there, one of the symptoms is one little call at the wrong time makes a difference in the game. Well, that's the way it is. Well, they get magnified when the game is close. When the game is close, and everything gets magnified. Sometimes it only takes if one questionable. If call. it's a bad non-call, okay. If it's a if it's a call and they get it right, shut up. If it's a call that they should have made and didn't, that's another thing. I mean, they can't win, and they can't. They're going to get it right, 
or they're not going to get it right. But don't give me this of like the, the officials decided it. Listen, don't give them a chance to. I mean, that's the way it is. I, I, the officials aren't, aren't any worse or better than they've ever been. But the games are so competitive and so close, and you get it boiled down to the nuts and bolts. One call does make a difference, but you want them to call the rules. This isn't, the, I'm, I, for lack of a better way, but this isn't the NHL where they, even the analysts say, hey, they're not going to call penalties in the third. They like trumpet the fact that it's arbitrary. Yeah. That's why. In the NFL, they don't want it to be arbitrary. If it's overtime, call it, just like you did in the first quarter. They don't do that. They try to get it right all the time, and they don't, but it's not for lack of trying. And these games are so competitive that when you come down to one call, yeah, everybody's going to – half the people are going to be bitter. So I, I'm the, the NFL officiating is as good as it's ever been. The games are more competitive, and they're more dis- dissected by video and analysis and reverse replays – all of that stuff, every and angle. former officials who are analysts now. Yeah, now they got guys picking their calls apart in real time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going it's to look bad. The best way to overcome questionable officiating is to make your own breaks to the point where you're comfortably ahead in a football game and it doesn't become part of the outcome. Got to take a break here. When we come back, Bills owner Terry Pagula had some flowery comments for Bills Mafia. We'll explain when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Before the break, Bills owner Terry Pagula had a comment that he issued on the Bills' social media post on uh, X or Twitter. And it says, best fans in the world, all the love for Bills Mafia. Here's the statement from Mr. Pagula. I know the stadium conditions weren't the best because of the storm, but the playful attitude and energy you brought yesterday was electric and memorable. I'll never forget your snow celebrations during the game and after our touchdowns. Thank you, Bills Mafia, for being a class act. See you on Sunday night. That's from Terry Pagula, the owner. Pretty cool. Good Give stuff. Give it a tip of the hat to yeah. the Bills Mafia. It was uh, an amazing night. Hope we can repeat it. That would be a welcome reprisal. We've got Dan Orlovsky tomorrow. We'll see you at 1.